Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to the Mr. Beacon podcast. This week, I'm going to be talking to Pierre Muller, who is the RFID business unit manager at EM Microelectronics. It's going to be dive into the world of auto ID, rain, uh, RFID, and uh, 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 an opportunity to get to know a really interesting company, EM Microelectronic, part of the Swatch uh, group. So they started off making the chips for, for watches and now have a, a significant place um, generating or designing the, the chips that go into RFID tags. So Pierre is on the board of directors of RAIN, the industry uh, organization that uh, presides over and, uh, and basically cultivates the, uh, uh, the standards and the application of uh, UHF RFID. We've actually had the leader of uh, RAIN, the chief executive of RAIN, on the podcast. You can dig through the archives for that. But Pierre is really knowledgeable, and so we... Um, Get him to position and talk about where rain is, uh, where rain is relevant. Uh, he's uh, also a contributor to the ISO standards, um, and uh, um, he's gone from one Swiss company, semiconductor company, to another. He started his career off at ST Microelectronics. So um, I learned a lot from talking to him. Um, the conversations in a bit of a noisy environment. So we had it uh, had our session at the AIPIA conference, the Active Intelligent Packaging Association. They meet every year uh, around about this time, just uh, November, uh, in Amsterdam, and it's just an amazing show. It's a bit of an insiders show, but if you want to talk to the insiders in this industry, it's a great place to go. They do a super job. Of organizing it. So hopefully you can uh, put up with a bit of background noise. Um, uh, Aaron, our, our wizard of the uh, editing suite, has done his best to uh, uh, to, to wipe uh, the distracting noises out. Hope you enjoy this interview. The Mr. Beacon Ambient IoT podcast is sponsored by Williot, bringing intelligence to every single thing. So, Pierre, thanks very much for coming on to the Mr. Beacon podcast. Thank you for inviting me here. Well, we're in Amsterdam, which is pretty cool, at this beautiful old uh, historic building. It used to be the Stock Exchange, I believe, and it's the AIPIA show. I I spell it out, but uh, some people just uh, kind of abbreviate it. But basically, it's a smart packaging show. What is... uh, why are you here? What's the, the, the driver for EM Microelectronics, where you work, uh, being at this show? 
So EMI Electronics company part of the Swatch Group based in Switzerland, and inside this company we are doing much more than just uh, we're we're doing semiconductor, but we are doing more than just watch semiconductor. But you do make. I assume that EM Micro makes chips that go in the Swatch watches. Sure, that's that's the reason why we exist. <laughs> right, and 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 was that like an acquisition? Did Swatch decide we need chips? We're going to buy a, a chip company, or did it sort of grow organically from? No, that, the that's an acquisition, but that uh, happened, I think, forty years back. Wow! So I think EM Micro is, was founded in seventy-five, if I'm correct, and. Uh, Acquisition is in the early 80s. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So Swatch buys a company to make the chips and the watches. And I used to be a huge collector of Swatch watches before I, I got my uh, Apple Watch, which really killed a lot of the fun in collecting watches. Uh, now you can just collect bands. But um, uh, I assume that this business has grown into something pretty significant. You're a major player in the... RFID ecosystem. So maybe you can tell us a bit about what are the products that EM Micro sells into RFID. So EM Micro has been in the RFID since ever, since the early days of RFID, more than 30 years ago, and has pioneered many of the standards, whether for low frequency or NFC or UHF. We even delivered UHF chip before the UHF standard was existing. And we've been part of the, the first mass deployment with Mark and Spencer in 2005 for UHF RFID. So it's, it's, it's really part of the, the DNA of EM to be uh, an innovator and to try to, to differentiate from competition. Being a Swiss company, we need to have uh, this kind of positioning where we can provide added value to our customer. And with this long legacy of products, uh, we are one of the few actors in RFID that are present in the different segments and that can offer the, uh, the IC for the, the different, uh, different uh, frequency band, low frequency, NFC, UHF. And what is, what is uh, so UHF is the RAIN RFID, yeah. the RFID tags that you find on apparel um, in, the, in the hang labels and, and, and so forth. And those are the tags that are used with these big scanners where you want to track exactly. inventory. NFC is where you're tapping. Exactly. That's the customer interaction. That's, NFC is the technology you're using when you tap to pay with your smartphone or when you... That's also used... Typically in uh, Europe, in the, the ski resort, there is a lot of the access, what we call access control, but that basically your ski pass will be, um, will be NFC technology. And when you're moving through the gates, that's NFC gates that are uh, on the ski resort. Uh, and so you're going through the ski resort. So are you tapping the pass onto well, a reader or is it just reading at distance? No, it's reading at a distance. There you have a significant size antenna and it's reading. You basically have your ski pass directly on your clothes and um, in a pocket. And oh, uh, that is you, you can just uh, go through. That is interesting because obviously I, I live in the United States. So I see NFC through the lens of the US where for, for the longest time, you know, NFC was kind of big in Europe yep. and it was nowhere in, in the US. Uh, it was nowhere in payments. It was nowhere in terms of tags. Now, I think here in the, or there in the States, we have learned that you tap to pay, but the range is very short. Yeah. 
So in the NFC, in fact, uh, we we called HF for the, but it's very technology oriented because that's that's really what qualifies the uh, the radio band that you're using. So what is the band that so high frequency HF high frequency. is is what's used with near field communications exactly. NFC for both payments and for the stickers. Yep. And. I, I interrupted you, so I just wanted to, to so carry on with what you were going to say. Yeah, so this frequency is 13.5 megahertz, and the same frequency is used whether you're using what we call some kind of HF reader, which are industrial readers that can read at a distance, like one meter, that's typically used on the ski pass, and the antenna might be, um, the antenna will be larger for the tag, so that you got a good, good read range. Um, NFC is really coming with the, the smartphone. It's reusing the standard that was already existing prior to that and, um, and is, is really much more focused on the short-term distance because it has been driven by uh, the payment industry where the short-term distance is also a way to keep privacy. Yes. And, uh, and also by the simple fact that your smartphone is limited in terms of energy and you don't want to overspend the energy trying to read things at a long distance. So the NFC tag, and, and also there's NFC tags in credit cards, right? Yes. In some credit cards. So where you tap to pay, that's using NFC as well. Yes, yes. It's the same technology for communications. And can that be read at a distance? So, you know, I see people with the uh, RF sleeves, the metallic sleeves, because they don't want someone to scan their credit cards yeah. from a distance. Is there anything to that? Well, there's a lot there, uh, I would say, in terms of uh, attack and people trying to set up some, um, well, some engineering setup to read at a distance. And you can find some literature where they succeed, but... In fact, it's, it's still very, very unlikely to be able to read uh, more than a few tenths of centimeter. But, uh, well, the payment industry is very focused on that and making sure that there's little you can do with that. So I would say it's, it's, it's a potential concern as soon as you put uh, data on the air, but you can also protect the data by cryptographic means and whatever. So... If you want to use uh, one of those wallets that are protecting, I think that's fairly easy. You can also use an aluminum foil and, uh, and that's over. Same thing. So just doing the same. So it's, it's quite easy. And I would say, it's a, I don't think it's a real concern there. So why use NFC on a ski pass as opposed to, uh, say, UHF, uh, which is more designed for longer range um, um, reading? So th there is a bit of legacy there in the development of the technology, but there is one key difference between the two technologies that um, NFC is done, has been built to singulate an item. So you can manage several items, but at the art, uh, it's a point-to-point -point communication system where you have a reader and one item communicating together. So it's one-to-one. -one. It's a one-to-one, -one, uh, in essence. Uh, UHF is very different because UHF has been built so that a reader can try to inventory as many tags as possible in a, in a, um, in a split second. And um, where it comes to, uh, to very practical differences in implementation is that uh, it's that with UHF you would have much more cross-reading between the lane. So if several persons are passing through different lanes, then UHF would be, you would have a hard time to singulate 
uh, ah. only specific lanes where it will be much more easy with uh, much easier with the NFC. Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, often people talk to us, Williot, got my day job hat on, um, uh, hat on, about the sort of the tap use case. And they say, oh, you could use Bluetooth, your tags for a tap. And I always kind of discourage them because I, I actually think if you want a tap experience, the NFC is really the best approach. The response is going to be very, very fast. Whereas Bluetooth, I mean, it can be pretty quick, but you're never going to get that super responsive tap. Is that a fair I comment? think so, yes. And we even have some use case where uh, we, we've built some modules with uh, BLE and NFC together where the NFC is used for pairing uh, the BLE with the smartphone or for doing the, the first connection. So I think the two technologies are really complementary and and sometimes it's, it's really misused trying to use one for, for doing the job of the others. Some, sometimes it works, sometimes that's really um, not the best way to approach a problem. So we've talked about NFC for payments, and we've talked about it for secure authentication. Yes, you've paid the 100 euros for your ski pass or whatever it is. NFC can also be used for non-secure auto ID as well, can't it? Like you can have um, tags on a map and people can tap on a, a map. Is that a, a different protocol or is it the same protocol? It's, it's basically the same thing. Uh, what will be different is the, the type of tag that is used. Uh, obviously, your credit card is much more secure and robust than uh, then the tag that you want cheap and easy if you're just interacting with a product or trying to get some information there. Okay. But um, the, basic, uh, the basic communication is, is really the same. I would say that one of the key advantage of the, uh, the NFC technology for the tab and, and uh, with the, the tag is that uh, the tag can pass what we call an NDEF message, which is basically a message that's given to the smartphone, but the smartphone will not do anything with that. It will just pass on to the server. And it's a, it's a very nice way to use the smartphone as a reader or a gateway without needing any app or anything. And you can, you can connect and go directly to the server. So you could put all the, all the, the, all the intelligence or the brain on the server and you don't need to, to do that in an app. So That's interesting. Okay, um, so this is helpful, getting a sense of how these technologies uh, relate to each other. And so the, the stickers, the N NFC stickers, they don't have a secure environment on them. They're low cost and they just maybe have a URL encoded or, or, or something like that. I, I would say it's a, on, in terms of security, it's depending a lot on, well, there is a lot of um, type of security or different aspects. Um, credit card security is one thing because then there the, the credential, the, the card itself needs to be protected. Otherwise, people could gain access to, to your bank account. In the case of NFC tag, uh, you will find security in some of them for authenticating a product for instance, and with some crypto that is, um, is, I would say, simpler than what we are doing for banking, but it's still very robust and, uh, and very good. Then the question when you're discussing about security is, what are you really protecting? Uh, what are the assets you're trying to protect? And uh, how much people that would 
try to attack your, um, your solution will gain by breaking one tag, for instance. And usually with the NFC, let's say people could gain access to maybe one product, but then they cannot, they don't have access to the second product. They will need to, to reproduce the attack so that like the gain compared to, uh, to the effort is small. In the banking uh, world, then, of course, if they gain access to, to some bank account, then the, the potential upside is, is quite significant. So. Very significant. Okay, so that's helpful. I think I understand more about uh, high frequency than I did before. Where does low frequency fit into this? What are the applications for so that? Low frequency is uh, historically has been... Uh, and it's still very much used for animal identification. And the first deployment we've done, well, 30 years ago was for pigeon racing. <laughs> because <clears throat> as soon as you're doing some racing, it seems people are cheating <laughs> some way or oh, another. <laughs> even with pigeons. <laughs> and uh, so animal ID is the, the biggest deployment. There is also a lot of access control that are existing, but I would say that's more uh, legacy business that is is moving slowly to NFC type of business. Animal ID is there to stay, and for some simple reason is that uh, the, um, the higher the frequency band, the more it tends to be absorbed by, the, by humidity and by water. And okay. the body is, is a lot of water. So it's very difficult to achieve uh, robust identifications with NFC or UHF if you get some injectable uh, type of, uh, of product. And, uh, well, nowadays, um, for instance, in Europe, almost all the pets need to have a, a glass tube with their ID so that uh, the vet can check the ID of the pet. And okay, there is so if I have my it. dog chipped, for instance, um, or my cat, I remember we had a cat, it disappeared for a year, someone brought it back, and we'd had a chip put in, uh, into it, and so they were able to identify it. So that was probably a low frequency. Yes, tag. yes, I'm quite sure that was uh, okay. low frequency, and there is a fair chance it was from EM. Okay, all right. Well, thank you very much for getting reuniting our cat. It was kind of embarrassing. We got rid of all of the cat uh, bowl and that sort of thing, and then Yogi was back with us for another ten years. So we had to buy a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff, but. It was worth it, and thank you for, for making that work. So, that's, uh, so let's talk about EM uh, and your, your division. Um, the, you know, those are quite a few markets, um, and I assume you're competing with uh, companies like NXP who also make uh, the, the chips. Where are your strengths? Where do you uh, try and focus? So, yeah, definitely NXP is one of the, the large provider in that field uh, and one that covering the, the different market segments. Um, as EM, we are really focusing on innovation, trying to be very nimble and agile in the, um, in the different pilots that we're doing, being very close to the customer, and we are also very... Uh, uh, we try to be to drive really innovations there uh, and have differentiation. So I would say, for instance, we have a large um, similitude in the portfolio between NXP and EM, but one chip that they are not coming with is the dual frequency, combining UHF, RAIN, RFID together with NFC and to, to enable some, some uh, new use case. So that's, that would be one way we are differentiating by providing different products. And why would I want to chip 
that can do NFC and, and UHF? Well, what are the applications where that has really uh, struck a chord? So we discussed a bit about uh, NFC, uh, UHF, uh, or RAIN RFID, because both names are used, is a lot about uh, supply chain management, logistic management. It's uh, very much used into a retail space and growing, uh, growing a lot, especially uh, past years with Walmart announcing that they want to, uh, to deploy it on all their products and, and really uh, acting on that. Um, and the technology are very different, as we discussed. And they have different strength. Uh, what we recognize that um, there is not one technology that's solving every issue. And uh, we come up with uh, the realization that combining them together would provide additional value. So if you, if you think about uh, the supply chain management and uh, retail, so UHF will enable to, to manage all the logistics uh, to the, the store, the inventory in the store, but after the point of sales, uh, then UHF is no longer used and the customer cannot interact with that. And the, the infrastructure for UHF is probably the weakest point mm -hmm. because it's requiring to have specific reader installed and that's, uh, quite, that's a bit expensive and requiring infrastructure. On the opposite, um, NFC as we've seen, Everybody's having a reader in the pocket with the smartphone and so can easily interact uh, with uh, NFC tag, which is the, really the, the, the big strength of the, the NFC. And combining them together, uh, basically, we are enabling uh, to have a unique identifier for a product. And uh, people can interact with the product through the NFC interface, but the the company can also have all the uh, use the UHF for the logistic. There is only one chip to uh, to maintain, one ID to maintain, one chip to encode, to assemble, to manufacture, and um, it's really going through the world the world chain up to the customer, and the customer can check the and then you're enabling a lot of new use cases like, for instance, brand protection and anti-counterfeiting or customer engagement or circularity, basically. So and maybe returns as well. Yes, that's things. Well, and uh, you, when you think about returns, there are there are a number of things. Uh, but in some case, uh, returns. I would say, it's, if you if you want to handle return, it's almost as important for the brand to know that the product that they are getting back is authentic yes. and it was for the customer in the first place. Yes. and we we got some customers saying, yeah, people are. They are, uh, they are buying online, they receive the product, they have seven days to make their mind about the product, they ship the product back, and the product they ship back is fake. <laughs> so it's a big issue also for some of the, the brands. I never that... even thought about that, but yeah, what a great scam. Uh, that's, yeah, you buy expensive products, you send cheap counterfeits back, and you can and sell the real thing on, exactly. the, on, on the black market. Exactly. So that's, that's the kind of uh, brand protection capability that we can add on top of, well, that's really driving to, uh, today the, um, the dual frequency product that we're providing and uh, the capability to interact with the product, to know it's authentic. And there, as I mentioned, there is a very good crypto algorithm that, uh, that, are, that will, uh, will certify that the, the tag you have and the product associated to it is, uh, is authentic.
And I think that also the resale market, the circularity use cases, I think are, are very interesting. I uh, was talking to the folks at uh, Ralph Lauren the other day, and they pointed out that on their app, they are facilitating the resale yeah. of their products, which is great for the environment. Um, and I think it helps build the value of their brand. And uh, I mean, I think clothing can last a lifetime. Uh, fast fashion, I think, is getting a bad name. Yeah. And also, if they're facilitating the resale of their product, then they can actually monetize it so they can get revenue from the first sale and revenue from the second sale as well. Exactly. That's really enable new business case. And it's not only uh, it's not only Ralph Lauren. That's also, for instance, H.E.M. If you go to their website, they are very, <clears throat> very strong on circularity and they want to grow. I think they want to double their revenue and they know they cannot do that. And they want to have their footprint in uh, terms of CO2. So they cannot do that at the same time by selling more product. Mm -hmm. So the, the whole strategy is about reselling or selling multiple times by recycling, uh, revalue, um, getting, yeah, really getting the items through the, through, the, um, through the cycle several times. And I guess if you're buying a secondhand product, then as a consumer, one of the reasons you wouldn't do that is a trust issue. You know, I'm buying... If I buy from uh, uh, Macy's or from the Ralph Lauren store, I'm pretty sure that this is the genuine article. Uh, but if I'm buying it from someone on eBay um, or some other uh, channel, then, then I, I don't trust it as much. And so if I have uh, NFC, and I actually don't think Ralph Lauren are using NFC. I think they're just using a serialized QR code, which is better than... Nothing, yeah. but it seems like if you're using something that's got encryption, then you can be even more uh, um, sure that this is the real thing. Yeah, so I think circularity will be a lot, a lot about trust and the mm -hmm. trust you can have in the brand and the trust you can have into uh, the product. And if you want, yeah, as you mentioned, second hand market is very, uh, very important that you, you know what you're buying uh, and you, you know the product is authentic. So I think we will also see a trend where uh, the, the tag will be more and more integrated into the product. And a lot of people today are looking into um, integrating the tag directly into the textile compared to the, the care label or the end tag that are just removed post the point of sales. Typically, people will cut the, the care labels where you lose the traceability for the, the product. And that's getting uh, more and more problems, especially with European regulation and digital product passport, which is mandating that you can follow the, the, the product through, the, through its complete life cycles, enabling the sorting, the recycling, or a second life for the product. And so that's a big uh, regulation trend. I think that's, uh, that's also finding root into um, the, the push for circularity and sustainability. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. So what is, 
I love this use case. Um, what is the uptake like? Where are you seeing uh, volume? Uh, where are you seeing the ramp up of volume? What are the kinds of products where this is being done? So the driver today is clearly into the high-value items, uh, whether you're talking luxury or high-end retails or accessories in the, the retail space. Um, so handbags and... Yeah, typically, yes, yes. And uh, where you have a lot of counterfeits, the added value of the product is really helping with having a, a tag, which is more expensive than a QR code. I think a lot of the technology are unfortunately more expensive than QR code. Yes. And um, so, yeah, luxury and everything that's also getting into uh, being very much counterfeit. So I would say, well, Spirit as well. Uh, Spirit is another driver where you know there's a lot of counterfeit into uh, the iron spirit. And <clears throat> I think the next driver with the, will be uh, going on to customer engagement as well and customer interaction. Now that seems to be the area where there's been really poor performance, the customer engagement. But I, I think the authentication piece could be a great way into that uh, because... You know, part of this is training us as the public to use this. And I think in the States, we didn't have tap payments for so long that no one was used to tapping anything. Yeah. Now we're used to tapping to pay, then I think it's a smaller step to tap onto products. And I can imagine if I'm paying, um, you know, $100 or $1,000 for a bottle of spirit, then I might be more motivated to think and uh, engage in a more elaborate scheme to authenticate that this is the real thing. Have you seen any, do you have any success stories in, in that? Because I, you know, we're at the, the Active Intelligent Packaging Industry Association, and I was looking at, I, I won't mention whose booth it is, but they had a bottle of wine with an um, uh, NFC tag in it, and I'm like, no one is going to be tapping this bottle of wine because the NFC tag was under a label and there was no visual indication yeah. of where you would tap. So, you know, the first problem is, okay, I, here I have to tap the bottle of wine. Where on this wine do I tap? And at what point do I get so embarrassed because people are looking and nothing's working that I'm never, ever going to do that again? And it seems like you need, you know, a... a really a branding campaign, logos and, and tap here type thing. I haven't seen that yet. No, that's definitely true. And that's one of the, um, the topics in the NFC forum, especially for the, uh, the interactions to have a clear, clear guidelines. And uh, I think the brands that are doing it um, most correctly are really understanding that there is a marketing um, campaigns to be done and there are some educations. In the problem is yeah. that the people that design the labels don't necessarily want to have a big logo on it with a picture of a phone. You've yeah. got this beautiful bottle of champagne. It's all about the, uh, the method and the, you know, I don't need to tell you. Uh, uh, the, and then you're like bringing technology into it yeah. and you're like bursting the bottle. So, no, it, it doesn't need to be, to be that obvious or yeah. that, that uh, but it needs it to be... be tasteful, be, subtle. Yeah. Uh, for instance, in the spirits, um, clearly the, the biggest trend is to get it into the, the cap, 
into the ah. bottle. And this is also preventing from the refill for the spirit. So it's also protecting from ah. uh, so it's temper on that detection side. as well. Yes, yes. That's something that we can easily do either with the NFC or the, the UHF interface. And we have been uh, very successful with the, the deployment of the dual frequency in China uh, with a very high brand spirits uh, that, were, that were really facing uh, counterfeiting issues there. I, I've definitely come across that myself, where the, the, there was a major cognac brand that uh, was very interested in, uh, in, in, uh, in massive issue with, uh, with, with counterfeit. And I mean, that's the thing about counterfeit is you're losing the revenue from the sale, but you're also destroying the brand because the product probably isn't as good. Yes. Uh, Counterfeit is, is uh, destroying the trust that you have into the brand, which is the worst thing that can happen. So why would you pay 200 bucks for a bottle if you don't even drink the right, yeah. the right spirit there? So, there is so not only are you having uh, an inferior product, but also you are destroying the exclusivity. If you have poor people wearing a Chanel uh, product, then it's like the whole point that... Presumably, people are yeah. spending thousands of dollars is that they can say, I'm rich, you're not. And, uh, <laughs> exactly, yes. So it's, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's a major concern for the Okay, brand. so this is a good marriage between technology and uh, business. Are there any uh, uh, examples that y- you've described some of the use cases, the, 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 the wine bottle cap and so forth? Are there any brands that are public that are doing this? So one that is a, a lot of the brands are keeping that for themselves, I would mm-hmm. say, at the moment, uh, or don't want to communicate on the technology per se. But one uh, we can mention is Moose Knuckles, with uh, a famous Canadian um, brand doing uh, high-end cloth for a winter cloth. And they are using our technology for brand protection and uh, product authentications uh, since the... Um, since a few years already and very successful. And it seems like after sales care as well, you know, uh, understanding how to use the product because I don't think very few people keep the manual even for like a washing machine. So am I going to keep the manual for my uh, goose down uh, insulated jacket? Probably not. But then when it comes to clean it or whatever, then, uh, you know, I'm, I'm out of luck. Yeah. And in fact, it's one of the things that the... The sky is the limit in terms of what you can do to interact with the product because the product itself is, the tag itself is just giving you a link between your smartphone and the, the brand uh, web page, basically. And there, the story that can be displayed there is really, well, unique to the brand, but it can also be customized with time. Um, just to take a few examples, if you're a big fan in sports, you can buy, uh, well, and let's say your, your, favorite, uh, your favorite teams invest in that. Mm-hmm. You can tap it, make sure it's, it's uh, mm-hmm. authentic, the mm-hmm. product is authentic, but then you could tap it again and got um, the, um, the, next, uh, the next game. When is the next game? What was the last score? Whatever, because you can be redirected live to the website and, uh, and get this, uh, this kind of interaction. Or, and so it, it's really enabling a lot of digital use case. We, we hear a lot about digitalization, Mark going big in digitalizations, but it's also about interacting with their product and connecting with that. Um, 
can take some other example of new use case that are enabled. Like if you are, uh, we, we talk a bit about sports and uh, um, I'm running a lot and things is, okay, I want to, to buy the next, uh, my new pair of shoes because they, they just wear off. And if I'm going to Foot Lockers or one of the distributors there, um, well, maybe I was having a pair of Nike and they will advise me to go for Adidas or for uh, Asics. Or, so basically the retailer where you are going is owning the relationship to the, um, to the customer. Um, but if basically, usually I don't want even to go to the shop. I would like, you, you know, just the same one. <laughs> it was good. I just want the same one. I just want to reorder. And sometimes the same is not existing any longer because they changed the brand. But if I can tap just to reorder, then I'm going to the website of the brand. And based on my previous uh, purchase, they can tell me, oh, this one is no longer existing, but you should consider this model because that will be the perfect fit for you. So the brand is, uh, is owning the relationship to the end user and not leaving it to the distributor or the, the retailer. Yeah, so uh, retention, loyalty, uh, follow-on sales. That's true. I have some beloved Vans shoes, and I'm like, you're wearing out. I know they don't have any more uh, of this kind. What can I buy next? So if I knew that I could just tap, and then I wouldn't even have to go into the store, which I don't really enjoy doing, probably I'm not going to get particularly good advice from the teenager that's working there. If I could get a really good digital experience, I think I would. What are you seeing in terms of the software behind that? Because it's all very well, you know, you've provided this amazing data carrier, the, the chip and the interface. But then I think about, well, what is, I want a great software experience that's going to be maintained uh, for years to come. So it seems like there needs to be a discipline of digital product management inside the retailer and presumably they need the software tools to manage all of this. Yeah, so I think software is coming in different, uh, different uh, aspects. Uh, I think the retailer are a lot focusing on the, the software. They need to manage uh, their, their shops on the one side, all the infrastructure and so on, which is very important when it comes to inventory management and, and that's also a, a huge uh, differentiator for, for the sales. But it's also come with the, there is also the part of the user experience. And this one, I would tend to say it's, it's probably a lot easier because the, the tag itself, an NFC tag is giving you just a link to a website, which arguably any teenager know to do right mm -hmm. now. You have a bit more complexity, maybe if you go to, uh, to security because you want to, to do a bit of crypto, but that's really not something very, uh, very difficult in terms of software development. So I would say what, what the brand really needs now is the marketing people to understand the value of the technology and leverage it. In the past, it used to be the infrastructure people, the ICT, the, um, the IT guys, the manufacturing guys that, are, that were pushing the solution as a way to optimize the cost and to reduce the, the cost. But now with this kind of solutions, uh, it has to come also from customer engagement, from the marketing department, and people that are usually maybe a bit farther away from the technology. And this is where we have to bridge the gap, I would say, and that get people understand the capability and then build on it and, and develop it. But I've seen um, really a number of solutions out there that working great. And I would say that 
this software part is, is not the big issue uh, for this kind of deployment. Arguably, getting the right tag, getting it nicely integrated into your product and people understanding how to use it or to interact with the products is, in my opinion, the, the highest uh, hurdle that we have to, to face. But do you uh, have relationships with the serialization software platform vendors, the Kesslers, the uh, Avery Dennison Atma.io, the, I, I think Identive now have Bitly, and then, of course, Digimark has everything. Yes. Uh, do you work with those? Definitely. I think we work with many, if not almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, the... the the tag itself is, is very agnostic to that. It needs to be built on standard and on standard identification code. And then um, the, the company you just, uh, you just named are um, really a very good partner to do any deployment, but there are, there are some others. I think it's really about um, probably, depending on the segment, I would say each of them is having uh, some specialty and will be really uh, maybe the better partner. But, uh, I would not be able to give you the preferred partner. It will depend on your product and on yeah. your segment. And, uh, yeah. But if you contact us, we are happy to have the discussion. That's very good. Um, another area I wanted to pick your brain. So you uh, seems like an active member of the RAIN Alliance. Is that true? I'm part of the board uh, of the RAIN Alliance. So okay. Uh, I'd love to hear what's, what's happening with that group. What are the priorities for, for RAIN these days? Uh, I would say one of the priority of Rain is really handling the growth that there are, there is at the moment in the the Rain markets. Uh, there is uh, really an exponential growth. Rain RFID has been a very interesting technology, but almost uh, I would say uh, for, for years. But now it's really taking off in huge volume. Um, there has been 34 billion tag sales last year. Mm-hmm. And it's just a small part of the, the potential market. And this is coming with uh, deployment at Walmart. That has been, a, um, is, is very, well, it's pushing a lot of tag in the market, but also UPS for the logistic and some, some of their, uh, their counterparts. So what is UPS using uh, Rain RFID for? For um, packet tracking. So to, to automatize all the, the packet, medium-sized packet tracking in the, uh, in the U.S. and converting a lot of their, uh, their supply chain. So there we are really in the art of uh, what Rain RFID is doing best, which is inventory or supply chain management and, uh, and very quick, very fast inventory management. Very good. So Rain is presiding over some success. Um, what are the... Um, so everything's going great. Presumably you've got nothing to do, or is there there's something to do? There is, there is a lot to do. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot to do. Uh, the key objective for the RAIN Alliance is to uh, lower the barrier to adoptions and to make the technology easier to adapt and to deploy. And I think the infrastructure is still uh, one of, the, uh, one of, of the, the barrier there, and we are trying to make that easier for, uh, for everybody. Um, other, uh, other concern as the, the sustainability and uh, the rain RFID can really um, help with sustainability and reduce the footprint. But also, as a technology, uh, we want to avoid to contribute to any um, any waste, any kind of waste. So that some of the um, the big concern that we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I was talking to the Avery Dennison folks at the show, and they were um, uh, educating me on how the work they're doing for to enable the separation of the tag from the material. You have different kinds of packaging and different kinds of tags, and they want to uh, essentially use the right adhesive so that the the tag can be separated and the PET bottle can go back and is pure and can be turned into another PET bottle. And then the, uh, you know, the label can be uh, turned into a park bench or, or, or something uh, like that. Um, so I, I, I get that. On the, on the cost of the infrastructure, Obviously, as, as, as really we, we make a big deal over, over that as we, we have friendly competition with, with RFID, although I think RFID is, uh, UHF RFID is, uh, has done a lot to grow the market. And I think there's, it's a matter of having the right tool for the right job. But why is it that the um, infrastructure is, is, is so expensive for RFID, and I know you can get low-cost RFID readers, but it still seems like a handheld scanner is a thousand dollars, and a tunnel is uh, is you know wh whatever. Add another digit onto it, um, uh, and yet you know the radios are just radios. So is it a business model issue? Is it a technology issue? Or no, I don't think it's a business model issue. I think there are some some limitation in the technology and. Uh... Uh, and what can be done there. I think also from the reader perspective, I mean, it's a huge market for the tag and, uh, and uh, it, arguably it's not that huge market for the reader side of it. And I if see. you think about the smartphone, the, the one thing that's driving down the volumes for the smartphone is the volumes. Yes, and the price uh, of the smartphone is yeah, going down because they sell a billion every year. And, and the semiconductor industry is really, uh, is really a volume industry. Uh, in essence, uh, as you know, the, the first product is costing you millions, if not tens of millions to develop. Yeah. And the second one is costing you a few cents or a few bucks. <laughs> yeah. So it's really, I think, um, part, of the, part of the problem is uh, maybe coming from there. Um, I'm do, you not, make, do you make chips that go in readers or you just make the chips that go in the tags? We have some reader chip on the low frequency and NFC segments. We are not uh, specializing into the, the chip reader. Uh, some companies are doing that. And I mean, it's a matter of focus at some points. We're already doing a lot of the tags and it's uh, also requiring a lot of software support and uh, maintenance that we don't really want to be involved with. That makes sense. And what about the Bluetooth market? Do you play in there? We definitely have some BLE okay. uh, solutions that we, uh, we, really, we really think is one of the lower cost and lower footprint, um, lower consumptions, lower poor consumptions in, uh, in the world. And uh, yeah, we have great deployment on the, on the Bluetooth. So you have a hybrid NFC and UHF tag. Have you ever thought about doing a hybrid Bluetooth uh, and uh, RFID, uh, uh, RAIN RFID yeah, tag? Yeah, we, we're thinking a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't come yet with, uh, with specific business case for that, but as mentioned, we, we got in the past some uh, use case for, um, for BLE together with uh, UHF RFID. And uh, we combined some modules to do that. That was some kind of applications where 
um, you don't want the BLE to be active before, uh, before the product is going to the market. So all the shelf life, you want, to, you want to save your battery. So the use case was really about using RFID to activate uh, the BLE uh, after the point of sales when you really ah, want the BLE to be on. That's interesting. I was, what I was thinking about was sort of similar, you could have user engagement with BLE and you could have uh, the inventory with the, uh, the UHF as well. That would be another use case. Yes, that, uh, I think the, the use cases are really interesting and uh, they are definitely existing. Um, now the question is how long it will take for the market to, to recognize that and to, uh, to come into it. Okay, well maybe we should talk about this some more with the cameras off and the microphones off, but uh, uh, Pierre, this has been a really interesting conversation. Thanks, uh, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, same thing for me, I really appreciate that, Steve. So I was intrigued with your career. How long have you been working in this industry? Well, uh, depending on which industry you're meaning. Well, you started at yeah. ST yeah. Micro, didn't you? I'm, I started with ST Micro in 2000. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm now working in semiconductor since 23 years and I started really as a designer uh, for cellular platform and uh, Bluetooth type of application. So from that perspective, I'm really interested in the Walliot solutions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, then I moved to security and payment type of uh, applications and I joined into EM Microelectronic and uh, RFID back in 2017. Uh, so 17, six, did you say? Yes, 17, six years back, uh, where I drive the, uh, the technical developments with EM Microelectronic. And uh, since a bit more than two years now, I'm responsible for the, the full RFID business unit. Okay, and, and what's the scope of your responsibilities? Uh, what, what is the business unit? So the business unit is responsible for everything related to RFID. So we are doing IC design, uh, low frequency type of product, also NFC and UHF type of product. And we have this unique value proposition with the dual frequency product. That, that's cool. So um, the key questions, the most difficult questions of the interview are the three songs that are like supposedly your favorite songs. I think favorite songs change from one minute to another, but what are the three songs that you chose? So uh, it, took me, it took me some time to figure out because I'm not like a super fan of one particular band. Uh, I'm not a musician, but uh, the first one would be uh, Mac the Knife from uh, Louis Armstrong. Oh. And the, yeah. the key reason there is really I, I'm, I was dancing a lot. That's the way I met my wife, basically. Oh. And the way I'm listening, I'm listening to music a lot of time, uh, all, all the time, but the way I'm listening to music is more to get into a specific mood or uh -huh. to, to get, I think the one thing I like is that in, in a few seconds, music gets you into a specific state of mind and yes. state of being. And yeah, Mike the Knife is for me, well, one of the best memories of my life when I met my wife, basically, and, and we share a lot on this song. And where did you meet her? Uh, dancing in some some party and and just dance, dancing on this rocking sw and swinging. All right, the old-fashioned way. It exactly. seems like now everyone meets online. Yeah. There's an algorithm, but the algorithm was basically the music that you liked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Excellent. Okay, well that's a good one. So what's number two? 
Uh, number two, and again, that's really getting in the right mood and setup, and that would be uh, "Is This Love" by uh, Bob Marley. All and right. I like to I like to start the day with reggae music or really like good spirit music that just get me on and get started. So, and if I'm thinking about reggae music, then then it's Bob. <laughs> Very good. So you, like one of these people, if you're going to an important meeting, you'll play music to kind of psych yourself up, to get uh, you in the right state? I, I would, um, I'm not doing too much for meeting, but yes, I would, I would use music to get me in the right state of mind and uh, yeah, to, pre to prep myself. I think that's really speed, speed things up. Right. Uh, really, the body is answering instantly to music. That's very true. Okay, and what's number three? Uh, number three will be uh, In The End uh, from Linkin Park. Uh -huh. And uh, that's one, one music that would get me prepare, prepared for uh, sports. Basically, I'm running a lot, doing a lot of sports, and that's kind of getting yeah, uh, all set up for, for doing any exercise or just getting get me thrilled, basically. Yeah, sport and music are, are closely linked. I had a friend, uh, Adam Riggs-Zeigen, who... Um, had a whole startup about music for sports and uh, he would actually, um, he had a device that would measure your heartbeat yeah. and, and regulate the music yeah. according to your heartbeat. Uh, that's one of the things I like about music or even DJ for party when they can get you at a certain orbit and then, then they can move you around and basically play with your engagement. That's, that's really impressive the, the way it goes, music and, and body together and uh, some of the, one of the best evenings I've had has been DJing at my son's school when he was little. Um, you know, these are like uh, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, but also they're the parents. And I volunteered to be the DJ. And I used to be a DJ with the old-fashioned turntables, yeah. but this was with, on the iPad with the, doing the same thing. One of the best evenings of my life was... Uh, seeing all these people dancing and feeling like you'd had some influence on it. Yeah. It's very cool. Well, wonderful. Those are great choices. Thank you very much. Appreciate your coming on the show. Very glad to be here, Steve. Thank you for listening to my interview with Pierre. It means a lot uh, that you stuck to the end. Uh, as I travel around, go to these conferences, I, I bump into people who subscribe to the show and um, whenever I hear that it's been helpful, that means a lot. Um, we can make this show even more helpful if we get your feedback, good, bad, suggestions, whatever. Uh, please uh, put your comments uh, uh, and reviews uh, onto the platforms where you consume this or send your feedback directly to me at mrbeacon.com. So until next time, be safe. And many thanks to Brooke and Aaron for promoting and editing this episode and many thanks to you.